Have you ever wanted to connect with someone, but you stopped yourself? Excuses to Connect is a podcast about actively creating the conditions that make meaningful connections easier. In other words, you can make excuses to connect. Join me, Richard Lee Tai, as I have conversations with experts, friends, and strangers on their struggles and successes when it comes to human connections. As a listener, I hope that you can take these insights and find excuses to connect with more people. After all, you never know how any connection can transform your life. Hey there, welcome to the third episode of the Excuses to Connect podcast. I'm so excited to be able to share this project with you. Excuses to Connect is a brand and business around creating the conditions that make meaningful connections easier. The podcast is just one component and I have many more plans down the road. Today, I'm joined by Bethany Galley. She's an upcoming TEDx speaker and her talk is about the time she spent in the favelas of Brazil. She initiated a project called Through the Lens where she gave children film cameras and asked them to capture photos in order to show their perspective of life in the favelas. In this episode, we talk about the power of stories and how we can choose the lens, pun intended, that we see the world from. If you want to support what I'm doing, remember to check out the show notes of the episode where you can find links to Bethany's work. You can also check out my website, excusestoconnect.com and see the other initiatives that I'm working on. There's also a link to leave a voice message as I'd love to hear from listeners. Lastly, there's a link to buy me a coffee. This is a website that supports content creators and you can donate some money on a one-time or monthly basis to quote unquote, buy me a coffee. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode. So Bethany, thank you so much for being here today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. And thank you for having me. Yeah. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. I think this is a very cool project that you started. Can you talk about what the inspiration or motivation was behind starting this? So I first went to Brazil's favelas in 2016. So the favelas are the informal communities of Brazil. They're often known as their urban shanty towns. I think a lot of people often refer to them as slums, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't see them as that way. They do have infrastructure. There's just certain holes within it. So I first went there in 2016 and before leaving, I'd seen so many horrible stories on the news about drug cartels and violence in these places. Mm -hmm. But when I got there and was working in the favela, it was totally different to what I expected. So I did my time there. I taught kids um, art, English, maths whilst I was there. And kids at the time were only getting four hours of education per day due to the Olympics going on. Mm -hmm. And this meant that funding had been cut from schooling and put into other areas to obviously attract tourists to the area. And I saw that these kids really weren't given a say in how they saw the favela and how they wanted people to perceive it. So I went back to the favelas in 2019 for my university project through the lens and I brought with me 25 film cameras and this allowed me to go into a project. I went in a totally new favela that mm-hmm. I've never been to, to before and handed out these film cameras. So each camera only had 27 images on it. So I spoke to the children and told them that 
you have to think about what you want people to see through your mm -hmm. eyes. You've only got 27 chances. And there were at times um, images in my head that I thought these kids are just going to go <laughs> click, 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 click. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and this project will be over within a couple of minutes. But it was really about the kids thinking, how do I show my life here to outsiders that might see it or perceive it in a totally different way to what I do? So that was the main inspiration behind the project. Cool. And I know, I know one challenge you had was like being able to gain these people's trust first to show them that the project that you were doing was for the right reasons. So could you expand more on that, how you were able to build up those relationships with these people? Yeah, so I think we see we're in the age of, you know, people in their early to mid twenties going abroad and going to help in these projects, either mm -hmm. volunteer at school or volunteer at, you know, animal welfare charities. But I think a lot of people at these projects see these people for maybe a month or two when they come in to do their bit and then they leave again they never hear about them again so I had to go into the favela and gain their trust that mm -hmm. you know outsiders don't come into the favela they are I'm not trying to hide the fact that they are full of drug cartels and the police are there and you know they are dangerous places to be in but it was more about showing the community that I wasn't just there for the time that I was there mm -hmm. after this. People were going to know about the project. I was going to get their view of the favelas out. And I came back after the trip and made a newspaper about the story and used the kids' images in it. So newspapers were given then to the NGO that I worked with for this mm -hmm. project. And it really, it gave, the kids it showed them that things were being done people were seeing their perceptions of how things were and you know I just I didn't go in there and just forget about them straight away two years right. on and I'm still speaking about them so it's nice to see and obviously due to the pandemic unfortunately I haven't been able to get back since mm -hmm. but hopefully after this I'll be able to go back and even develop the project even more and show them where I've gotten to with it so far. Right. I mean, you're doing a TEDx talk on this too. <laughs> so I don't think that was something you expected when you started this project and what it would grow to become. No, definitely not. Yeah. I'm wondering if you could explore more of this contrast here between an external perception of what the favelas are and then this perspective that these kids were able to show through this photography project and then later that you compiled together in this newsletter, like how those two views are different. So I think the way that people in my country, in your country, you know, all these sort of westernized countries, mm -hmm. the way that they see the favela is all through the media. We know it ourselves that the media automatically go in looking for the bad. You never watch the news or read a newspaper and think, oh, that's a really good story about good things that are going on, mm -hmm. which I believe should be changed. You know, we need to start celebrating what's right with the world right. instead of commiserating what's wrong with it. Mm -hmm. 
So I saw that, you know, they weren't capturing the essence of these places. They were going in, getting what they ne needed to get, getting the bullet holes and the guns and the drugs, and they were leaving straight away. They didn't speak to the people. They didn't interact with the community. They were just in and out. So for me, it was really, you know, I probably believed these perceptions myself before leaving. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really about going in and showing that when I got there, because obviously I was teaching in a school, the parents got to know you, the kids got to know you. So you then became a well-respected member of the community. Mm -hmm. And you see a totally different side to places when you actually connect with their community. It's, I think people make places. That's the thing. You can't go somewhere without having a conversation with somebody. And that's, that was more the essence of it that, you know, the news just goes in and takes the bad. But what this project was really about was finding the good in these places and showing people that if you look just under the surface, it mm -hmm. is there. Yeah. I I mean, I'll attach a link for listeners to view the actual newsletters, but for you right now, verbally, could you describe like some of the photos that these kids took? So these photos, the favela that I did the project in was called Moro de Providencia. And the main part of this favela is a staircase and it goes up from the main road right up to the main square where the church is and obviously everybody hangs out there the community is there the NGO is there mm -hmm. and the these stairs became a big part of the photography in it that you would go halfway up and there would be a landing before going up more stairs and this is always where the police sat. So there was a lot of kids. You could see there were shots from the bottom of it, shots going up it, there were shots from the top going down it, looking at the police. And a lot of the time, so the NGO that I was doing the project with is called Casa Amarela. And it's a cultural centre in the heart of the favela. So they take artists, and dancers and music recordings, like from all over the world, they will come and give lessons to the kids um, and teach them a little bit of what they can do. Mm -hmm. So the center itself has this moon extending from its roof. And this moon is actually a bedroom for all these sort of guests to stay. Mm. But this moon represents that you know, if these kids think hard enough and work hard enough, they will reach the moon someday. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they will get there by themselves using this project. So the moon became a big part of the photos also. You can see the moon, it's extended out so much from the roof that you can see it from all over the favela. Right. Um, so no matter where you are, you can see this. and it became a real center of the project. But as I, I'm going to say this in my TED talk too, although, so 25 kids had 27 photos, 
no one photo was the same. Right. You know, they all captured a different essence to the favela, a different angle, maybe it's from a different height, but no photo looked, you, you know, you didn't look at them and think, oh, about seven of them are the same photo. Mm -hmm. I can't use all of them. Each and every single one of them had their own pros to it. But yeah, it was nice to see that just the variety that they could take, even though it was just a small favela. Right. Um, one thing I really like about the uh, newsletter is you have uh, the word sonder in there and also the definition of that. I'm wondering if you could share what sonder means for listeners that don't know it and how or why you put that in there and how this relates to like being able to share all these individual stories. Yeah, so the sonder comes from the dictionary of obscure sorrows. So this is not like any dictionary that you have ever seen before as it is. It consists entirely of made up words. Mm -hmm. Each original definition definition aims to fill a hole in our language to give a name to emotions that we experience but don't yet have a name for so sonder was the one that stood out to me for this project so the definition goes like this the realizations that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own an epic story that continues invisibly around you like an anthill sprawling deep underground. So Sonder became this really the starting point for the project, my project mm -hmm. Through the Lens. It allowed me to tell a story which went beyond the wondrous method of isn't this an amazing world? And it instead brought viewers in to the project themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's the real essence of my TED talk also. So the way that I will be speaking will, I want the audience to feel like they're in the favela with me. They're joining me on this experience so mm -hmm. that they, after that, they will then do it for themselves. They will go out and they will see the world and interact with anyone that they want to really. Mm -hmm. It's more about giving people the confidence to go out there and do it for themselves. Right. I think when I think of this, empathy comes a lot from knowing people's individual stories. Because what you're talking about before media, it's because it like it becomes stereotypes because it's so generalized. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, this, these wide blankets of generalizations. But once you get to actually know someone's individual story and their lived experiences, then it becomes very different because it's real to you. So I, I really like this idea that you're trying to invite um, listeners in your audience to as if they were there because that makes a big difference I don't know if you want to expand on that yeah so I think it it will help them feel like they're within the experience it will I want people to after this you know go it doesn't even have to be abroad they can go in the center of town they can see somebody meet them in a shop and then you know like a simple hi how are you today mm -hmm. can go a long way that it doesn't need to be going to the favelas of brazil to do yeah. a photography project and all everything like that 
it's more about connecting in real life what how they can and I think we're in this digital century that you go into town and everybody's on their phone it's heads down and there's no interaction with people outside of your social bubble Mm -hmm. we don't go out to meet people anymore we you know we stay within our same circle of friends that we've had for years and there's no real oh they like they seem a cool person like I'm gonna go up and speak to them right so I really want people to show that it's it's easy once once you get started you know people people in general are quite welcoming yep but I think it just takes the step to getting there in the first place and interacting with them and once you get started you can't stop <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and you never know how connecting with that one person I mean it just might bright make your day better but make their day better too and you never know where that connection could take you to one of my favorite uh, inspirations is humans of New York which does remind me of your project as well so humans of New York this photographer went to the streets of New York and as you said just approached anyone like strangers and was able to get them to open up and share these stories and it's like this candid window into these people's lives like all these random passersbys that you see all the time in coffee shops and on transits like they all have this um, their own story and I think that's so cool and all it takes is just that introduction or that hello to to make that connection so I think that's super cool. Um, I know you did a, another project uh, while you're in the favelas where it's more of this like uh, visual diary of interviewing these people. Um, could you talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so alongside my project Through Lens, which focused more on the children that were staying in these favelas, I also wanted to show a perspective from the adult's point of view. Mm-hmm. I wanted, obviously, children often have a more innocent view on matters. So I wanted to go into the favela and see what the adults were saying about it. So I went to Hosinha, which is the largest favela in South America. And this is where I worked previously in 2016. Mm-hmm. And I met up with a couple of friends there. I've got broken Portuguese, so I wouldn't have survived on my own. Yeah. So I'm, I met up with two of my friends who had taught there previously. And well, first of all, I told them about my idea, like, oh, we're going to go around the favela. I'm going to ask these people questions. We'll take voice recordings mm-hmm. and I need to take photos of them. And they looked at me like I was mad. Yep. these two guys <laughs> it was like, they just looked at me and said why did we sign up for this why did we agree to take you around here yeah <laughs> and yeah maybe I was a bit mad but people most of the time people understood it and saw where I was coming from so we started off in the main street of the favela which is this hub um just cafes restaurants the moto taxi rank is there so I literally stood at the bottom of the street and said 
that guy looks cool. We'll go over to him. Um, I'm pretty sure he was a taxi driver. So I think he thought he was getting a fade out of us. Uh-huh. But unfortunately, that was not the case. <laughs> and yeah. I, before the project, I had written maybe 10, 15 questions just so that I could, you know, sort of mix it up a bit. Each person would only get asked one question, but I wanted all questions to be different. And I went up to this guy and one of the guys that I was with asked him the question and he just looked at me. <laughs> but no, I think once people realized why you were there and what the project was doing, more showing their view of the favela, some of the questions consisted of, you know, how's your life in the favela been? Have you mm -hmm. always stayed in the favela? Do you think there is improvements that could be made in the favela? And it went on and on. So we got a lot, of, it was about 15 people overall that we got involved in the project. And we, it was great to see there's people that probably ranged from 20 years old to about 70 years old mm -hmm. so obviously some of the people had been in these communities a lot longer than others but it was great to see how very how their perspectives varied from person to person some were born in the favela some had come into the favela because they needed work and it was, you know, as you spoke about Humans of New York, it really inspired me to say, you can't just go up to people and, you know, ask them about their day, ask them about their life. And for the most part, they will allow you into their life. There's odd couple that just did not understand it whatsoever. And it was a big no-no. Uh, so no it was nice to get a different view I think the children it was it was a lovely project to do with them but you did sometimes wonder am I getting just this in innocent view of these places whereas the adults you know are like they were straight up and told you how it was <laughs> right but it was, it was nice to get a varying perspective. And I think that really helped during my university that my work wasn't all focused on one view and, oh, this is how good these places are underneath. It was, yeah, there are some good, but you know, maybe some people see that as some bad. So it was nice to just get a wide range of people participating in it and the more the merrier really. Right. Yeah, I'd like to follow this thread more because after, I mean, you've gone to Brazil twice um, and when you've come back home, how did you feel like that changed your perception of like your life in Aberdeen? I think it probably opened up my eyes to what's out there. I really saw that, especially where I'm from in Aberdeen, Aberdeen, Aberdeen's a city, but it's small that people call it a village because everybody knows everybody. Mm -hmm. It's one of these places that, you know, you're friends with their friends and you've met them on a night out or you've seen them, right. wherever. So 
coming from this small place and obviously getting dropped in Rio for the first time, Hosinha alone has 100,000 people living on this hillside. Mm. That it really opened up my perspective to what's out there and how many people are out there too. You know, you don't need to stick with the people that you're always with, you know, broaden your horizons and see that there is more out there, more to learn from all these people. And for the most part, they'll let you into your their lives, no bother. And if you do the same, they'll feel so much more comfortable around you too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I remember how we just ended up connecting because you made a Facebook post about how you're doing a TEDx talk and asked if anyone else in the group was a TEDx speaker. So, I mean, it just demonstrates this idea. It's like what one good thing of technology is that it does allow people to connect globally at this point, if you make that intentional effort there. I would, I would definitely agree that all it takes is, you know, a post on social media or an ad on Facebook or any of that, you know, we say to ourselves that all oh, social media is this such a bad thing and look at mm -hmm. what it's done to our world, but just look at how many people you're able to connect with. So really take advantage of it when you can, obviously don't go around catfishing people but <laughs> yeah you know take it take advantage of it in a good way <laughs> yeah, make sure. make sure you're doing well with it mm -hmm. yeah I've seen I mean part of this podcast is like highlighting all these different types of projects that people do because really like your creativity is the limits like where it can take you because I've heard of projects where people want to collect a postcard from every country in the world, which I think, I mean, then they have to like find people that are from that country that can actually give them that postcard or they wanna talk with people from a hundred different cities around the world. So there's lots of creative ways to, to go about it. Definitely. Um, and I think, you know, creativity broadens your horizons. Everybody, no matter what people say, they've got a creative side to them somewhere. Mm -hmm. they might just not know how to utilize it yet yeah. so you know it's all about coming up with your new ideas and thinking how can my creativity help me to succeed in this and how can I connect with people at the same time mm -hmm. yeah I, I I took a quote from one of your newsletters I'll just read it out back to you so it says every successful piece of art is infused with its own special story. That's what gives it meaning and makes an original piece more valuable than a copy. We all love stories. We are born for them. Stories affirm who we are and we all want affirmation that our lives have meaning. Nothing is a greater affirmation than when we connect through our life experiences, our stories. These stories allow us to experience the similarities between ourselves and others in different parts of the world. So I'm wondering if you could expand on that because I think that is again like connecting back to Sonder and these projects you've done and being able to connect with people it's like this is the the common thread here yeah so I think with photography in particular mm -hmm. some people just think oh a photo is a photo that's a pretty building or a pretty skyline you know they don't see the real essence in it whereas photography to do photography well, you have to be able to tell a story 
through it. I always go back to the flashbulb memory that we have, that we we might have been at the same place or, you know, I might have done stuff with my friends, either gone on a road trip or gone on holiday. And there are certain things that happen when you're there, but every single person remembers it differently. Mm-hmm. So this flashbulb memory in which a moment or event is stored on one occasion and retained for a lifetime, I feel that allows us to tap into the power of photography because that's exactly what photograph does. Mm-hmm. It makes a connection to the audience that creates a visual um, narrative of a specific scene and then it manages to tell a story. So you have to be able to tell a story through a photograph. Although you get all these films which are two, three hours long, could you tell your story through one photograph? Um, And like I said, with kids, they had 27 photographs to tell their entire lives. And I'm going to question people in my TED talk, how would you tell your life in 27 photos to get them thinking that you personally, I mean, I would, you would tell the, show the positives that have happened in your life. There would be birthdays, graduations, weddings, et cetera, et cetera. And you tend to miss out the horrible bits and the bits that you want to forget. Like we've all been there, we've all got stuff that we want to forget. Mm-hmm. But if you had the chance to tell your life in 27 photos, would you create, you know, take photos from these horrible moments in your life? Or would you use all the happy moments in your life? Mm-hmm. Because the kids seem to show all the happy moments and the good things that there are in the favela. And we know underneath that there are certain bad things that happen, but they chose to show the good instead. And I believe to tell a story, you always have to tell the good. Wow, that's that's really powerful and insightful. I mean, I could see this 27, like your life in 27 photos. This could be a whole project. Whole project. <laughs> this idea. <laughs> that's it, you never know. Yeah. That, that might be the next project on my list. Yeah, because, yeah, that's a fascinating idea. Because I, I now I'm, I'm trying to think, like, how would I represent my life in 27 photos? 27 photos. <laughs> You know, uh, to a person that's never met you before. Yeah. Say it was just an audience in a room and you had 27 photos up on the wall. How right. would they gain an essence of your life mm-hmm. through those 27 photos? Well, it just reminds me of those um, compilations I've seen on social media before where it's like a one second every day and you do it for a month. And it's like, it's just interesting to see a snapshot into people's lives of what it what it's what like. gotten on to yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. so now that you uh you graduated from this communications degree and you're doing all this sort of work what's next for you like do you have any goals or future ideas in mind um so i've currently i'm currently going back to university in september i'm going to study a master's in global security 
So that's a bit cool. different from the communication design role that I had previously. Right. I hope to then work for the Foreign and Commonwealth Development Office as a foreign diplomat for countries. And I feel this would allow me to continue my passion of the photography and helping people, etc. Mm -hmm. And also allow me to see the world at the same time. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, I, I came out of uni two years ago saying I'm never going back. <laughs> but look, yeah. <laughs> look, look what two years and the pandemic has done. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I knew that Although I enjoyed my course at uni and, you know, I did very well in it in the end, it just wasn't, I couldn't see myself being a full-time graphic designer. Mm -hmm. And I believe, you know, the essence of the project as well, it's about being happy in life, that we shouldn't be doing jobs just for the paycheck or for the perks that it has. You need to really be happy in what you're doing in life too you know, well, tell your story and have those 27 good photos of your life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to going back to uni and studying global security. And hopefully we will, we will see where that leads. Yeah. You still have a whole life ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, it's, it's interesting because I just recently graduated from university and I also have that same sentiment of like, why would I ever go back? <laughs> I, I spent many, many years tolling away, uh, studying late nights, and I'm kind of glad to be out of that. But I mean, yes. it, it kind of just showcases this like lifelong learning there of learning not just in school, but like through these experiences and traveling and meeting people. So, and I think I think that really sums up um, a part a point that I'm making in my TED talk as well that we tend to forget all the bad things that have happened to us in life. You think, well, I went to California a couple of years ago and I climbed Half Dome, which is one of the highest points in Yosemite National Park. And after it, I was, I'd walked into a tree in the darkness, uh -huh. or like a fallen tree. So my leg was all bloodied and everything. My feet were hurting like god knows what and I came back down I managed to get to the top and came back down and I was like oh I'm doing that again uh -huh. and now two years on I'm like mm, I could go back and do it again and it's the same uni you know you forget how bad it is so although there have been hardships in our life when we come to think of these 27 moments that we want to remember you tend to think oh, that really wasn't as bad as well it was at the time mm -hmm. so we tend to make bad situations more positive than they are and then we end up going back to university two years on and I will probably remember how bad university was <laughs> but, yeah. but this time it's only for a year so right. yeah I mean it just shows how adaptable humans are like regardless of situations we still have this resiliency and hope and optimism that's there so yeah I think that's very cool um, for people that want to get in touch with you or find you or follow you on social media 
Um, can you share about that in case people want to reach out? Yes. So my best contact details is probably my email address, which is Bethany Galley. So B-E-T-H-A-N-Y-G-A-L-L-E-Y at talktalk.net. I'm also on LinkedIn under Bethany Galley. Um, you will find me with the heading upcoming TEDx speaker. Might as well get the, that, in, yep. <laughs> that in the headline too. <laughs> so yeah, I would definitely, I'm looking forward to hearing from anyone that's maybe got a story, needs some advice on a project that they're doing. You know, my inbox is always open. So yeah. feel free to contact me. When is your TED Talk again? It's at the end of July? Yes. So my TED Talk's on July 31st. Great. In Aberdeen. Exciting. I will make sure to link to that as well in case people want to check out in more depth about what we chatted about today. Um, any final thoughts or messages you'd like to tell listeners before we sign off? I would say that... At the end of the day, in our lives, we're all photographers. You know, it doesn't matter if you've got a phone, you've got this fancy camera, mm -hmm. or you've just got a little disposable camera. We all have the choice of which lens that we see life through. And you make the decision whether you see the world in this threatening, negative manner, or you can decide to see it in all of its glory, full of hope and beauty. So just remember to see the world the way that you want to see it, making sure that you always choose the right lens. Wow, beautiful. <laughs> well, thank <laughs> you so much, Bethany, for joining me today. Thank you, Richard. It's a privilege. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember to check out the show notes of the episode where you can find a link to my website, excusestoconnect.com. There, you can find out the other initiatives that I'm working on. The intro and outro music were written by Megan Rennie. You can check out her Instagram and SoundCloud in the show notes. There are also links to leave a voice message, as I'd love to hear from listeners. You can leave a comment or ask a question that might be featured in a future episode. Lastly, there's a link to Buy Me a Coffee. This is a website that supports content creators, where you can donate some money on a one-time or monthly basis. If you love what I'm doing and want to support, you can buy me a metaphorical coffee. Finding excuses to connect is what I love to do, what I'm good at, and what I think the world needs more of. Consider sharing this podcast with anyone who might benefit from it. I hope you have a wonderful day and make some new connections. After all, you never know how any connection can transform your life.